Lesson number 95, Surah Al-A'raf, ayah number 155 to 168. وَاخْتَارَ مُوسَى And Musa alayhi salam selected, he chose, قَوْمَهُ from his people, سَبْعِينَ سَبْعِينَ رَجُلًا مَنْ Why? لِمِقَاتِنَا for our meeting, for our appointment. Meaning for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَمَّا So when, أَخَذَتْهُمْ It seized them. What? الرَّجْفَةُ The earthquake. قَالَ He said, meaning Musa alayhi salam, he said at that time, رَبِّي O oh my Lord, لَوْ if شِئْتَ You willed أَهْلَكْتَهُمْ You could have destroyed them. مِنْ قَبْلُ From before. وَإِيَّايَ And me. أَتُهْلِكُنَا Would you destroy us? Would you punish us? بِمَا Because of what? فَعَلَ He did السُفَهَاءُ The foolish ones minna from us in not hear it illa except fitnatuka your test your trial tudillu you send astray biha by it man whoever you will watahdi and you guide man whoever tashau you will anta waliyuna you are our protector faghfir lana so forgive for us Warhamna and have mercy on us. Wa anta and you are khayrul ghafirin, the best of those who forgive. In the previous verses, we learned that when Musa alayhi salam, he went to the Mount Tur in order to receive the scripture at the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had fixed for him. And he went for 30 nights initially, that was extended to 40 nights. What happened to the Bani Israel while he was away? What did they do? They made a calf for worship. And we learned that Harun salam he stopped them. However, the people were not ready to listen to him. So much so that he was afraid that he continued to stop them. What would they do? They would kill him. So what did he do then? He just remained silent and he waited for the return of Musa salam Now, remember that amongst the Bani Israel were some people who worshipped the calf. And there were some other people who did not worship the calf. And those people who did not worship the calf, amongst them were those who stopped others from worshiping the calf. Like for example, Harun salam, he stopped the people from worshiping the calf. But there were also some others who did not stop them. Who just stood back and watched. They basically watched the show. They stayed away from it themselves and they just watched the people committing shirk. So now, when Musa salam returned, and he made them realize about what they had done, the Bani Israel, they felt guilty. And we learned that, they begged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. But remember, in Surah Baqarah, we learned that part of their repentance, part of the conditions of their repentance, the acceptance of their repentance is what? That those who had committed shirk had to be, had to be killed. We learned, فَقُتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Because it was a major, major sin, a major crime. And we discussed as to how this was such a terrible crime because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them over everyone, here they were choosing an idol over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the reason why they were supposed to kill those amongst them who had committed shirk. Now, the people who remained from the Bani Israel were who? Those who did not worship the calf. 
Right? But like I told you, some of them were those who just stood back and watched. Now this in itself is a sin. Because what do we learn? That when a person sees something wrong being done, then what is his responsibility? That he should stop others. It is our responsibility as believers that we should do nahi anil munkar. And if a person remains silent when something wrong is being done, then what does that mean? That he approves of it. Right? Because silence means what? Approval. If a people are talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about His messengers, about the religion of Allah in a wrong way, they're mocking at it, they're mocking at the ayat, then what have we been told? That we should get up and leave. And the only exception where a person is allowed to remain sitting in such a gathering is when he is stopping them or when he is clarifying the truth to them. Otherwise, we're not allowed to be a part of such gatherings. We are not allowed to witness the wrong action. Correct? Now, when the Bani Israel, those amongst them who just watched people committing shirk, they did something wrong. So what happened then? Musa alayhi salam, he selected from those people 70 individuals, 70 men, for miqat with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for a meeting with Allah. Meaning, those 70 people were to go to Mount Tur with Musa alayhi salam. Why? In order to formally apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this was a very serious sin that had been committed. The shirk in itself, so serious. And on top of that, just watching it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rescued them from Fir'aun for this reason. That they make a calf and they start worshipping it. They should have been better off amongst the people of Fir'aun then. Because what was happening in that society? Shirk. And if they were to leave that place and start doing the same thing, then what's the difference? What was the benefit of their freedom? What was the use of setting them free? They were better off as slaves then. At least they were getting food and water. At least they had homes to live in. Now they were in the middle of the desert. Right? So they were selected to go to the mount in order to formally apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, سَبِعِينَ رَجُلًا لِمِقَاتِنَا So what happened? When they came to the mountain to apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by the way, why the mountain? Because that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Musa alayhi salam. That is where the scripture was given. And that is where these men were called to offer formal apology. Yes, because remember that who was left from the Bani Israel? Those who had not worshipped the calf. Those who had worshipped the calf had been killed, right? And those who did not worship the calf, they're the ones who remained. And notice the word ikhtara. Ikhtara is from khayara, khayr. What does khayr mean? Good, best. So ikhtara, he selected the best the best of the Bani Israel who were remaining, the best 70 men, meaning the best in their faith, in their knowledge, in their obedience, in their piety, those men were selected to go and apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what happened? When they went there, فَلَمَّا أَخَذَتْهُمُ الرَّجْفَةِ The earthquake, it seized them. 
Rajfa from Rajimfa, we have done this word earlier, earthquake. Meaning when they got there, there was an earthquake and all those 70 men died. Why? This was Allah's punishment upon those people. That why did you just stand there and watch? Why did you not stop the people from committing shirk? And think about it, if these were 70 men, 70 men along with Harun salam, they would have had enough strength to stop the people. But we see that they did not stop them or they did not put in much effort in stopping the people. So this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was also angry with them. When they got there, instantly they were punished. فَلَمَّا أَخَذَتْهُمُ الرَّجْفَةِ What happened? When this happened that all those 70 men died, Musa salam became extremely worried. First of all, he was afraid. And secondly, he was worried for his nation. Yes. Yes, Musa salam, he survived because we learned that Qala, he said, so he was there, he was alive, but those 70 men were killed. Obviously, Musa salam was not amongst the people who committed shirk, not at all. He was at the mount. Now Musa salam, he got really worried that these were the best people who survived from the Bani Israel. If they are gone, the rest of the people, what is the level of their faith? I mean, think about it. These were 70 people who were the cream of the nation. And if they're gone, what's going to happen to the rest of the people? Right? How are they going to remain guided? Who are they going to follow? Who are they going to look up to? Who's going to tell them? Because where a leader, as an individual, he tells people what to do and what not to do, he also needs from amongst his subjects, those who are obedient to reinforce the commands. Right? Like for instance, in a family, in a family, what happens is that the parents, they tell the children what to do, what not to do. And when the younger children are rebelling, then who helps out the parents? It is the older ones. Right? Because many times the younger siblings will listen to their older brothers and sisters. So the mother, she tells the son, you tell your sister to do this. You tell your brother to do this and they will listen. So this is why Musa was very concerned that if these 70 people are gone, what's going to happen to the Bani Israel? And then he was also afraid in the sense that it wasn't these people who committed shirk. Yes, they watched, they should have stopped. But after all, the Bani Israel are very ignorant. So this is why he begged Allah. He implored him. He asked him for forgiveness. And he said, Rabbi, O oh my Lord, لَوْ شِئْتَ أَهْلَكْتَهُمْ مِنْ قَبْلِ If you wanted, you could have punished these people before. Before when? Before they came to the mountain. Meaning if punishment was decreed for these people, for these 70 men, they could have been punished there with the rest of the Bani Israel. But the fact is that these people were not punished. You call them over here. They came here to beg you for your forgiveness. So please do not punish them. He said, رَبِّ لَوْ شِئْتَ أَهْلَكْتَهُمْ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَإِيَّايَ You could have even punished me before. Meaning you could have even killed me, destroyed me. Because of your anger. Because obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserved to be angry over here. So Musa alayhi salam said, أَتُهْلِكُنَا بِمَا فَعَلَ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَّا 
Would you destroy us? Would you punish us for what the foolish amongst us did? Who is he referring to? The foolish ones were those who made the calf and worshipped it. So basically he's saying that we are not those who made the calf. These 70 men did not make the calf. These 70 men did not worship the calf. So would you punish us for the sin of others? In other words, he's requesting, please don't punish us for the sin of others. Yes, these men should have stopped others. But after all, they were ignorant. So, oh Allah, please forgive us. In here, illa fitnatuk. This entire incident was nothing except your test. Meaning, when the Bani Israel made the calf, they worshipped it. This whole thing was what? A fitna, a test. Like we learned earlier, that everything that happens is a test. Hmm? So this was a test. تُضِلُّ بِهَا مَنْ This was a trial by which you send astray whoever you will. وَتَهْدِي مَنْ And you guide whomsoever you will. Because you see, every trial... Every test, every fitna takes a person one of two ways. Either because of that fitna, he goes off track and he goes astray. Or because of that fitna, he increases in his guidance. That test becomes a source of his guidance. Like for instance, a person falls ill, severely ill. There are some people who because of that illness will become furious with Allah. They will become extremely angry and ungrateful. They will complain. And as a result, they will weaken in their faith so much so that they start doubting even the existence of Allah. Right? Or for instance, a person goes through several challenges, several difficulties in his life, whether they are financial or physical or social. And because of that, he weakens in his faith and he loses that faith. And on the other hand, there is a person who is going through the same tests or sometimes even more severe tests, but because of those trials, what happens? He discovers faith. Right? He gets to know more about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He becomes stronger and stronger in his faith. He is patient. He learns what tawakkul means. He learns what shukr means. So every fitna, remember every test, it takes a person onto one of these two ways. Now, when the people worship the calf, when this incident of the calf happened, when Samiri, he made the calf, we see that some people, what happened? They immediately fell for it. They began worshipping the calf. They lost their faith. There were others who were just somewhere there. okay? Meaning they didn't worship the calf. They didn't stop others. And there were others who stopped them. They got to know what shirk was. right? And we see that after the Bani Israel committed shirk, many of them, they learned from their mistake, which is why they begged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. That if you don't forgive us, you don't show mercy to us, we will be of those who are losers.
So Musa alayhi salam, he says over here that in hiya illa fitnatuk tudillu biha man tasha'u wa tahdi man tasha'u. He says, anta waliyuna, you are our wali. Meaning, oh Allah, you are our protector. You are our friend. If we don't have you, who do we have? If you are still angry with us, if you don't forgive us, then where can we go? If these 70 people who have come to ask you for forgiveness, you don't forgive them, then what will become of us? So all these words that Musa salam is saying over here, don't think that he's becoming angry with Allah, not at all. This is basically, he is asking Allah for forgiveness for himself and also for his nation. And these words, anta waliyuna, they're so, so important. So important for a person to realize that, oh Allah, if you don't forgive me, where can I go? Who do I have? Where can I run to? How can I ever succeed? You see, when a person, he realizes that he's done something wrong. He feels that Allah is angry with him. He feels that he has made Allah upset with himself. Then in that situation, he has two ways. One is that he says, I'm so bad. There's no forgiveness for me. So I might as well have some fun right now. Which is the attitude of who? Many people today. They say, I am too evil. I am too bad. I am too sinful. God is never going to forgive me. I'm certainly going to hellfire. So what can I do about it? To have a hopeless attitude. Hopeless attitude. And the other is that a person says, Ya Allah, I know I have committed sin. I know I have done wrong. I have not shown due respect to you. But Ya Allah, if you don't forgive me, you don't have mercy on me, where can I go? What can I do? How can I ever succeed? Where can I ever find shelter and refuge? Remember the story of Karbin Malik? When he stayed away from the expedition in which all of the Muslims were required to go, and he stayed away simply because of procrastination. He said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And the time came when he realized it was too late to go. And in fact, the Muslims were returning. So at that time, some people said to him, why don't you just go and make up a false excuse to the Prophet ﷺ and he'll forgive you. Like so many people are going to him, offering him false excuses and you'll be fine too. And he said, no, not going to do that. Although he was a poet, he was very eloquent. He knew what words to use in order to convince someone. But he didn't. He didn't make a false excuse. He went, he admitted his mistake. And at that time, the Prophet ﷺ, he did not speak to him. And he told all the Muslims to not speak to him. And 50 nights passed by like that. Can you imagine those 50 nights? Nobody's talking to you. He goes to the masjid. He would greet the Prophet ﷺ, And the Prophet ﷺ would just look away. He wouldn't smile at him. And Karbin Malik realized that when he would be praying, the Prophet ﷺ would be watching him. And after his salah, when he would look at the Prophet ﷺ, he would turn his face away. Then the order came that send your wife home. He said, am I supposed to divorce her? No, just send your wife home. He was not even allowed to stay with his wife. And at that time, one of the kings sent him a letter. That we have come to know that your leader is very upset with you. Leave him, come to us, join us, and you'll have whatever you want. Because he was a very noble man. But what did he do? He saw the letter, he read it, and he threw it in the fire, instantly burned it. Because he knew 
that even if I can succeed in the worldly sense, I can have everything I want in the world, what will happen to me if my Lord is angry with me? What will happen to me when I die? When and where can I find any shelter, any refuge? So he remained firm. He remained firm. He begged Allah for forgiveness continuously. And it became so difficult for him to live like that, that in the Quran in Surah Tawbah it is described that the entire earth seemed constricted for them despite its vastness. Because imagine you're lonely. Nobody's talking to you at all. You can't have a conversation with anyone. Then even though the world is vast, it seems very narrow to you. And then eventually, one day, at the time of Fajr, the Prophet ﷺ announced to the companions that the tawbah of Karbun Malik and his two other companions had been accepted by Allah. So you know what happened? The companions, they ran out of the masjid. They ran to tell Karbun Malik about the good news. One of the companions, he ran and he saw that somebody else got on a horse and started galloping towards Karbun Malik. So he said, he's gonna beat me. He climbed up a mountain and announced, Karbun Malik, your tawbah has been accepted. Because he wanted to give him the good news. He wanted to congratulate him. But in the story is a great lesson that it doesn't matter what sin has been committed, what mistake has been made. Beg Allah for forgiveness like Musa salam did. Ya Allah, if you don't forgive me, where can I go? What can I do? So please, please, please forgive me. It's like, you know how children, when they want something, they whine and whine and whine like crazy. They don't leave you until you fulfill their wish. I remember one of my friends, her brother, if he wanted to do something, he would not leave his mom. Mommy, mommy, please. Mommy, mommy, mommy. The whole day, mommy. Until the mother would be like, leave me. Go do whatever you want. People get offended when we beg them. Allah does not get offended when we beg Him for His mercy. He's ready to forgive. Proven that, we beg Him for forgiveness. So Musa salam, he begged and begged and begged. He said, Anta waliyuna. We can't survive without your forgiveness. You are our protector. Faghfir lana. So forgive us. Warhamna. And have mercy on us. Wa anta khayrul ghafirin. And you are the best of those who show forgiveness. People forgive, but they don't forget. Do they? Or sometimes they say they have forgiven, but they don't actually forgive. They try to forgive, but they cannot really forgive you from your heart. Right? Or they say, fine, I'll forgive you, but don't talk to me again. Right? Fine, I'll forgive you, but, but, but. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He forgives, He forgives in a way that He even conceals the sin of the sinner. And He blesses him with so much more that after forgiveness, a person's rank actually goes higher in the sight of Allah. Remember that square root sign? So when you have a fall and you ask Allah for forgiveness, you go higher. You go higher. This is how Allah forgives. Anta khayrul ghafirin. You are the best of those who forgive. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to the dua of Musa alayhi salam. He revived those 70 men. He gave them life again. And He forgave the believers. He forgave them. And in this was also a great lesson for those 70 men. Because just imagine, you are trying to ask Allah for forgiveness 
and you find out that Allah is not forgiving you, wouldn't that be a big, big shock? Something that would really shake you up? Because what do we believe? Just say, Astaghfirullah, Allah will forgive you. It's like, you know when somebody is upset with you and you say, I'm really sorry. And they're like, don't talk to me. You're like, what am I supposed to do now? Has it ever happened to you? That you apologize to someone and they're not ready to listen to you. They're not ready to even look at you. They're so angry, they don't even want to have a conversation with you. Or they turn around and they smack you. How does that feel? And then, eventually when they say, it's okay, don't do it again, then it's a life lesson that you've learned. Never again am I going to deal with this person in the same way. Like for instance, if a wife is rude to the husband, like sometimes we have a habit of answering back to our husbands. And then one day he is upset and you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what have I done? And you're like, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. He's like, don't talk to me. Oh my God, what am I supposed to do? And the woman is panicking and then she goes, asks her mom, asks her dad, goes and talks to somebody. Please explain to him, I made an honest mistake. But he's like, no. And then she realizes my marriage is going to fall apart. And she's going crazy, running around to save her marriage. And then if he says, fine, it's okay, I forgive you. However, this and this and this are your conditions. Then that is a life lesson that she will learn. Never again will she repeat that mistake again. Right? So we might wonder that why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do this with them? This was a lesson for the Bani Israel. And also a lesson for us. Also a lesson for us. That don't think that committing a sin is okay. It's not okay. Don't think that just because you're going to say, Oh Allah, I'm sorry, please forgive me, you'll be forgiven. Forgiveness is not guaranteed. Forgiveness is Allah's decision. He decides whether or not to forgive someone. Because sometimes we say, Never mind, it's okay, do it. Just do tawbah istighfar. Right? Never mind, do it. And you know when we'll do such and such good deed, inshallah Allah will forgive. How do you know Allah will forgive? What guarantee do you have? What proof do you have that Allah will certainly forgive you? Ka'ab bin Malik was not forgiven for remaining behind from one expedition. One expedition. Despite the fact that he was honest afterwards, he was not forgiven immediately. Fifty days it took. These 70 men did not commit shirk. They went all the way up to the mountain to formally apologize. And they were killed. So what guarantee do we have that if we commit sin day in and day out, on the day of judgment, we will show up with a record of sins and Allah will forgive us? How do we know? Then with what confidence are we committing sins? With what audacity are we committing sins? We don't have the right to do that. You know, one is that a person accidentally he commits it. But then we should also reflect on our istighfar. How often is it that we beg Allah for forgiveness? And many times it's sad when people are advised, do istighfar. They say, what did I ever do? What did I ever do? And if a person is told to reflect on their life, maybe something wrong is being done. They say, no, no, I always obey Allah. I don't do anything wrong. But the fact is that we're always making mistakes. This is why it's so important that we continue to beg Allah for forgiveness. Musa alayhi salam, he continued in his dua, وَكْتُبْ لَنَا 
and write for us meaning decree for us uktub from kitaba kitaba is to write and remember that it is also to decree like kutiba alaykum as-siyam fasting has been decreed upon you meaning made mandatory you must do it so waktub lana and decree for us meaning give us fi hadhihi dunya in this world hasanatan good wa fil akhirah and in the hereafter also inna indeed we hudna we turn back ilayka to you musa alayhi salam he said oh allah you grant us in this life and in the hereafter what hasana rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana and what is hasana good in this life beneficial knowledge ilmun nafi' rizqun wasi' ample provision amal salih righteous deeds all the different forms of goodness in this life and all the different forms of goodness in the hereafter and he said inna hudna ilayk we return to you hudna from the root letters ha waw dal al hud literally means a rujur to return This is from where the word Yahud comes from, derives from Yahud, because they are those who repented to Allah, turned back to Allah. From what? From the worship of the calf, or from approving the worship of the calf. So they did tawbah. So he said, "Inna hudna ilayk." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala responded, "Qala." He said, "Adabi, my punishment." Usibu, I reach bihi with it man asha'u whoever I will. Meaning, it is up to Allah. If He wishes to punish someone, then He can punish him very easily. No one can object at His decision. No one can overturn His decision. If Allah wishes to punish someone, then that someone has no escape. Usibu bihi man asha'u whomever I will. And obviously, who is it that Allah punishes? Those who deserve that punishment, those who have proven themselves unworthy, undeserving of Allah's mercy that is wasi'ah, that is shamila. So, usibu bihi man asha. I punish whomsoever I will. Warahmati and my mercy wasi'at. It has encompassed. It is vast. Kulla shayin over everything, meaning every single thing is encompassed by the mercy of Allah. Every single one, whether believing or non-believing, whether sinful or righteous, whether living or non-living, man, woman, any being, any person, any creature, every single being. What do we learn over here? It is encompassed by Allah's mercy. So those who are punished, what does that show? That they have come out of that mercy. Allah showed mercy to them, but they came out of that mercy. They escaped it. Allah protected them. Allah blessed them, but they, because of their sin, came out of there. So whose fault is it then? If someone is punished, whose fault is it? Can we say that Allah is unfair? Not at all. Can we say that Allah is unjust? Not at all. Because when everything is encompassed by Allah's mercy, then if someone gets punished, then it is definitely his fault. Remember the hadith that Allah subhanahu wa taala 
has divided up his mercy into a hundred parts. One part of that mercy he has sent in this world. And it is because of that mercy, it is because of that mercy that the wild animals show compassion to their children. It is because of that mercy that wild animals show compassion to their children. Because imagine, vicious animals, hmm, like snakes, or like lions especially, look at the way they take care of their young. Have you ever seen a cat holding its kittens by its mouth? I mean, think about that mouth that has such sharp teeth. That is enough to up that baby. Literally. But it is with that same mouth that that cat is carrying its young. With so much love and care. Who put that mercy in that cat? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is Allah's mercy upon that kitten that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that cat gentle and compassionate towards its young. So every single thing is affected by Allah's mercy. And if someone escapes it, then it is only they who are blameworthy. So, وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Allah says, فَسَأَكْتُبُهَا Soon I will decree it. Meaning that mercy will exclusively be for who? Eventually it will be exclusively for who? لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ For those people who fear Allah, who develop taqwa, وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ And they give the zakah, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِنَا يُؤْمِنُونَ And those who believe in our verses. It will be specially for them. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Who is Ar-Rahman? The entirely merciful. Right? And who is Ar-Rahim? What's the meaning of Ar-Rahim? The especially merciful. Because there are two kinds of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. One is Rahma, Amma, general. General mercy. Which is shown to every single creature. Living, non-living, believing, non-believing, sinful, arrogant, whatever. doesn't matter. And it's because of this mercy that even the sinful people are living. They're enjoying. Even those people who refuse to believe in Allah, they have food to eat. Because if it was not this Rahma Amma, then those who are disobedient, those who are sinful, those who disbelieve, they wouldn't deserve even a drop of water. I mean, think about the sins that we've committed. If for those sins we were punished in this world, would we be deserving of anything good? Would we? No. It's like once a person, he became so sick, so sick, so frail, that it was as though he was dead. He was just living, but he was almost dead. And when the Prophet ﷺ asked, he was told that this man prayed, that, Oh Allah, punish me for whatever I've done now. Now. And because of that, he was almost dead. He was as good as a dead person. So if we were punished for our sins, we would have nothing. We would deserve nothing. So it is Allah's rahmah, ammah, because of which despite our sins, we are surviving. In the Qur'an, Allah says that if Allah were to seize people, punish them for their sins, then not even a single living creature would survive on this earth. 
Not even a single living creature would survive on this earth because of the sins that we commit. Think about how many times people say, Allah has a child, Allah has a son. Do we hear this statement all the time? Are people saying this, pronouncing it? All the time. In one place in the earth? No, all over the earth people are saying such statements of shirk. In Surah Maryam we learn that this statement is so evil, Allah gets so angry because of the statement that the entire skies would rent asunder, they would burst. What the jibalu hadda and the mountains would crumble. This is how upset Allah gets at the statement. But how halim Allah is, how tolerant Allah is, that people are sinning, we are disobeying Allah every day, every night, every minute, every hour. But Allah lets us survive. Remember the story of Pinocchio? Every time he uttered a lie, what would happen? His nose would become long. If that happened to us, That here we commit a sin and instantly our body changes. What would we be today? What would we be today? So remember, رَحْمَةً عَامَّةً Allah's general mercy that affects every single one of us. But the second kind of Allah's mercy is رَحْمَةً خَاصَةً His special mercy that will be shown exclusively to those who prove themselves worthy and deserving. And who are they? Those who beg Allah for forgiveness. Those who obey Allah. Those who fear Allah. The characteristics that are given over here, those who give zakah. Those who yattaqoon, yu'tuna zakah. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِنَا يُؤْمِنُونَ Then they will deserve Those 99 parts of His mercy. Where? In the hereafter. And even in this dunya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows in His special mercy. Imagine, if this one part of mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so vast, so great, that because of that, the sinful are surviving today. Just imagine 99 parts of His mercy. What is that? That is Jannah. That is everything inside Jannah. But it is for who? فَسَأَكْتُبُهَا لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِنَا يُؤْمِنُونَ Let's listen to the recitation. وَاخْتَارَ مُوسَى قَوْمَهُ سَبْعِينَ رَجُلًا لِمِيقَاتِنَا فَلَمَّا أَخَذَتْهُمُ الرَّجْفَةُ قَالَ رَبِّ لَوْ شِئْتَ أَهْلَكْتَهُمْ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَإِيَّايَ أَتُهْلِكُنَا بِمَا فَعَلَ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَّا إِنْ هِيَ إِلَّا فِتْنَتُكَ تُضِلُّ بِهَا مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَهْدِي مَنْ تَشَاءُ أَنْتَ وَلِيُّنَا فَاغْفِرْ لَنَا وَارْحَمْنَا وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْغَافِرِينَ وَاكْتُبْ لَنَا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ إِنَّا هُدْنَا إِلَيْكَ قَالَ عَذَابِي 